So today we're kicking off our nine-week sermon series for the summer, and it's called The Church is a Place Where We. So in this series, what I'm going to do is uh, we're going to find out many of the benefits of being actively involved in the local church. We're also going to clear some misconceptions up that people have about the church. So the scriptures teach that as believers in Jesus, we are the church, okay? So we are the church. So technically, the church is not a place as much as it's a unified group of people functioning in a way that furthers the message of Jesus Christ. So you are part of, as a believer in Christ, a part of an institution that has a, a distinct purpose and a distinct mission for this local community. <clears throat> so in today's message, what we're going to do is we're going to find out a church is a place where we find true freedom. So tomorrow, the 4th of July, is Independence Day. On July 4th, 1776, the Declaration of Independence was signed to free the 13 colonies from the rule of Great Britain. Since that day, the United States has celebrated freedom on July 4th. So tomorrow, you have a day off, right? You can spend time with your family, you can watch fireworks, you can have a barbecue, or you can just do absolutely nothing, okay? That's what you could do. So there's a lot of discussion, though, around freedom in America. And today, each side of the political aisle has some complaint about freedom being jeopardized. And both sides are really arguing from the same premise, right? I have this or that right, and you can't take it away from me, because if you do, you're taking away my freedom. So no matter what the issue is, to be, no matter what that issue is, it seems to be that one party takes one side and the other party takes the other side and they fight. So then we have to ask this, if freedom is so great, why does it cause so much trouble? Okay, if freedom is so great, why does it cause so much trouble? Now the problem is we look at freedom as an American idea, idea and feel as a citizen of the USA, we have freedom. But the truth is, we need to realize and understand that true freedom can only be found in Jesus. True freedom can only be found in Jesus. So no matter where you live in this world, whether it's a free country or the most restrictive country, you can still experience true freedom in Jesus Christ. So the church is entrusted to actually get that message of true freedom to this world. So now in John chapter 8, Jesus has this altercation with some religious Jews, and they thought they had freedom because they were the offspring and descendants of Abraham. But to give you a little context of what was going on in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, Jesus was teaching in the temple, and the scribes and the Pharisees, which were the religious leaders, did not like what Jesus was teaching. So Jesus was teaching, they didn't like what he was teaching. So in an effort to trap him in teaching something false, they brought a woman before him that was caught in adultery. So they brought this woman who was caught in adultery, and this is what happened. He says this, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? So you can only imagine, this is a pretty heavy moment here, okay? So you have a, a, an embarrassed, ashamed woman being dragged in front of Jesus in the temple and a bunch of religious guys saying, hey, here's the law. 
We're supposed to pick up stones and kill this woman. Jesus, what do you say? That's a pretty heavy moment. So Jesus, at this point, he realizes, these guys are trying to trap me. These guys are trying to trap me into agreeing with them and the Mosaic law that they were loosely following in their own lives and for their own convenience. So the text tells us that Jesus bent down and wrote in the sand. So Jesus bent down, started writing in the sand, and this is what he says. Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Now, no one except the people present know what Jesus actually wrote in that sand, but one by one, the men dropped their stones and they walked away. Now, many theologians have suggested that maybe Jesus was writing their names down and writing the sins that they committed. Okay? That's, that's actually a, a, a pretty good perspective to see because why would all of a sudden these men just drop their stones and leave? Could you imagine? Okay, you in this, you know, Ezekiel, hey, this is what you did. And all of a sudden, he's writing all these things in the sand, and these guys are turning away, dropping their stones. Now, if this was the case, Jesus was saying, see, you guys are also breaking the Mosaic law, and you deserve to be punished as well. You're bringing her, and you're saying we should punish her. The law says we should punish her, but you guys are, are sinning as well. You're breaking the law, and you should be punished as well. So they all leave. Jesus asked the woman, has no one condemned you? She answers, no. And Jesus says to her, neither do I go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. So the, this, this account really brings up some questions. Like, you know what? If Jesus was a good Jewish man, how come he didn't follow the law? Or why does Jesus let her off the hook so easy? Or does this mean that no one could ever have someone else punished for a crime because they did wrong things in their life? So that means judges and juries, we, you, know, you can't listen to them because they're sinners too. They do wrong things, so they can't condemn. So what do we do with all these people that break the law if we can't institute the law? Well, we know this to be true. Jesus calls what she was doing a sin and commanded her not to do it anymore. So Jesus did. He said, this is a sin. He didn't say go and keep on committing adultery Go and live a, a lifestyle that you feel like you want to live. Go and do whatever you want to do. He says, no, go and sin no more. But we know that on our own, we possibly can't stop sinning. So we need help and guidance. So now what Jesus is going to do is he's going to tell us what sin really kind of does to our lives, what it steals from us. And then he's going to tell us how we really have guidance. So the movement of the text goes to Jesus' teaching in John 8, 12. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So now what's happening? So when Jesus says this, he is the light. He's essentially telling them, 
In him, truth is illuminated. You go into a dark room, you can't see anything, right? You turn on a light, all of a sudden you see everything clearly. So when you follow Jesus, you see things clearly. They were not seeing, the religious leaders that came and, and accused this woman, they were not seeing things clearly because they were challenging who Jesus was. They didn't see who Jesus was. They were like, let's trap this guy. Let's give him a problem. Let's see what he says. Let's test him. They were questioning where he got his authority from and apparently doing sinful things as well. So they were kind of like a mess, and they were saying, oh, Jesus, you're really the mess. We're going to try to trap you. We're going to try to mess with you. So Jesus needed to teach them. So first he teaches them who sent him. He says, I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. So it's evident. God the Father is the one who sent Jesus the Son. But next he teaches them how they need to respond. He said, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So now he's saying, okay, I'm sent from the Father, and here's how you need to respond, because you are dying in your sins. You're dying in your sins. So they need to believe him or they will die in their sins. Well, then the question for us is this. What do we need to believe about Jesus? And that brings us to the gospel message. The gospel message is that we are all sinners that need a savior. And because of our sin, we deserve to die in our sins and be eternally separated from God. But the truth is, Jesus came to die in our place for our sins on that cross. The scriptures teach us this, that Jesus not only died for our sins, but he rose from the grave to prove that he is God, to prove that he can conquer death. And the scriptures teach this, believe, believe in Jesus. So when Jesus says this, he's saying this to them, hey, listen, you guys have to believe who I am. Now, obviously in this altercation, Jesus didn't die on the cross yet, right? So if he started saying, okay, I'm going to die on the cross and this and that, it, it, it was going to cause a problem and eventually did if you track through of John chapter 8. But the truth is Jesus is saying, you guys have to believe who I am. I'm the light. I'm the one that illuminates truth. So the good news is this. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So there were some there standing there that were like, okay, I believe I believe you, Jesus. I'm going to start following you. I don't know the whole tr truth yet, but I believe who you are. I believe that you were sent from the Father. So now in these next verses, Jesus will teach these people that believe in him about true freedom that they will experience in him. Now, it says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed. Remember, he's talking to people who have believed in him. So essentially, we could say he's, he's talking to us, isn't he? We're people that believe in him. Unless you're not, then you really have to do some soul searching and ask yourself, who do I believe in or what do I believe in? He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So let's break this down. If you abide in me, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples or followers. 
and you will know the truth. So Jesus is talking to the Jewish people that believed in him, and he's telling them the mark of a true believer is abiding by his word. The mark of a true believer is abiding by his word. Living by what God teaches in his word is the litmus test for true belief. Okay? And, and this, this kind of gets a little muddy for some people because then we have Christians that go around pointing fingers. Oh, I don't see you doing everything right. You're not doing everything right. You're not doing everything. And, and they, we become those people that drag this woman out and say, hey, Jesus, look. Right? So we have to be reminded that we're not like fruit inspectors, so to speak. We're not the people that are going to go around pointing fingers all the time. But he's saying, hey, you, you who believe, here's the litmus test for your true faith. Do you have a desire to follow the word? Do you have a desire to follow the word? Jesus also said in Matthew 7, when he was teaching them to avoid people that teach false things, he said, the way you know that someone is a true follower is by their fruit. You will know them by their fruit, Jesus said. Meaning, when someone is a true believer of Jesus, you will see obedience in their life. You will see obedience in their life. Now, this is not teaching that obedience saves a person. Jesus is teaching the result of a person being saved or the result of salvation will be a desire to be obedient. Maybe you remember that when you first became a Christian, you're like, you know, things that I used to do, I don't really desire to do those things as much. I kind of desire to do other things. You find yourself like serving in church. You're like, I would rather get paid for this before, but now I'm like happy to serve and do it for free. And you're like, why am I like this? Well, you're like this because Jesus is your savior, right? So you think, I want to do the right thing. I have a desire to do the right thing. Now, some think, if I do the right thing, God will accept me into heaven. But the truth is, for a believer in Jesus, you should do the right thing because Jesus already made it possible for you to get into heaven. You get that? It's very different, isn't it? Jesus. So the scriptures actually teach in Philippians 3.20, we are citizens of heaven. So you know what that means? Obedience to Jesus for us as believers is behaving in a way that shows where we belong. You know, there's so much fighting in America over freedom because people are like, I live in America. I should be free. We're behaving like citizens of where we live. So as a believer, we need to say, I'm a citizen of heaven. How would I act or how should I act? Now, do you know anyone in your life that say they are a believer, but you don't see it in, your li in their life? What do you do? Okay. The temptation is criticize them. Many of you are probably doing that right now with some of your friends and your family member. You should be doing this, right? You should be doing that. Well, let me just tell you, the best thing to do is treat them as a citizen of heaven and teach them how citizens of heaven should act. That's the best thing to do. Criticizing them is never going to help. If a person is a believer, they know the truth about Jesus and what he's done, which was pay for our sins on the cross. The result of knowing that truth is the truth sets us free. So now Jewish people Jesus was speaking to said, wait, what? Freedom? In their minds, 
Freedom is the opposite of slavery. So this is how they say what they say to Jesus. They say, we are the offspring of Abraham and never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? So in other words, they're saying, we're Jewish and we are already free. You know what? This is very practical for us today because that's the American mindset. I'm free. I live in America, the land of the free, the home of the brave. For the Jewish people in Jesus' day, it was true. They were free from slavery. They weren't enslaved at that time. You and I, this is true. We're free because we live in the United States of America. But being an offspring of Abraham in that day does not give true freedom. Being American does not give true freedom because what actually takes our freedom away is something only Jesus has the remedy for. And this is where Jesus goes on and says this. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son or the child remains forever. So Jesus is teaching sin is what enslaves us and actually takes away our freedom. But when we're a child of God, you have true freedom. So you need to walk in it. So if, as a believer, we're still pursuing sin, you can't experience true freedom because you're not grabbing hold of what Jesus actually did. Because so many times we look at the gospel and say, okay, I believe in Jesus, so now I'm going to heaven, but I don't really know what happens between here and heaven. Well, what Jesus is saying, if you pursue sinful lifestyles, if you pursue sinful things, you're actually giving away the true freedom. You're actually enslaving yourself. The sinful things that we desire to do, the sinful things that we thought we would enjoy, the sinful things that we thought would make us happy, the sinful things that we thought would bring a sense of freedom because we're not following the rules actually bring slavery. But why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because it lays heavy on us. It lays heavy on us. Deep down as a believer, we know that these sins offend Jesus. These sins sent Jesus to the cross. These sins are actually not good for us. Do you realize that? Sometimes like people look at God and they're like, oh, he has a list of rules and regulations that want to take away all our fun. Okay, no. He has a list of things that he's saying, this is my best prescription of life for you. And in these things, you will find freedom. In this obedience, you will find freedom. But you over here decided, I'm going to do it myself. If any of you have kids, you know this, this whole thing. I'm going to do it myself. And you're like, listen, I'm 50 years old. I'll tell you, like, my life experience, this and that. And they're like, eh, whatever, blah, 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 right? They don't listen. They don't listen. Because they can't understand what you've been through and how you're seeing things. Well, same way with God. Sometimes we look at his way of obedience and we don't fully understand. So we say, well, I'm going to do it this way. Something we thought would fulfill us, Jesus is actually saying, nope, it actually enslaves you. It actually enslaves you. So what do we do? Or how do we daily experience true freedom? Well, we need to believe what Jesus says about our freedom. Listen to what he says. 
It says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So the question is, is has the Son set you free? If you trusted in the gospel, he has. If you trusted that he died for you, he has. Now the word indeed is used to emphasize a statement or a response confirming something already suggested. So in a sense, you can read this as, so if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. It's like, it's like uh, Jesus saying, you are free. Okay, let me just get the message out to you. You are free. So Jesus is confirming you have freedom from sin because he paid for it. That doesn't mean you'll never sin, but what he desires is that you live in that freedom and walk in that freedom. So when I say the church is a place where we find true freedom, what I mean is each week you come to worship service. Some of you come to programs and studies here at the church. These things are all designed to teach you how to live in that true freedom. Remember, the here to there. The point of salvation and heaven, there's a big span of time for, for most of us, right? So now you're part of a church that you can come and be reminded on how to be obedient. You know, so many times, like, you know, when I, when I plan messages for all of you and I'm praying about it and stuff like that, you know, there, there's a lot of times there's nothing really new, is there? There's nothing really new. A lot of times it's just a shot in the arm. It's a reminder. It's a reminder of how to be obedient and not go down the sinful path so you can experience freedom. So when you're angry with someone and you want to give them a piece of your mind or even worse, you're reminded here to turn the other cheek and pray for them and love them. Why? Because getting revenge or treating them in a way they treated you will enslave you. It will lay heavy on you. It'll cause bitterness and more anger. When you're stressed and discouraged because something's terrible going on in your life and you want to deal with it in an unhealthy way. So many times when people are stressed, when they're discouraged, when they're going through a problem time, they go to unhealthy ways to deal with them. That's why you see substance abuse, drug abuse, all different things like that. People go to those things because they're looking for comfort. They're looking for freedom, but when you come here, you're reminded, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Dealing with it in an unhealthy way, guess what? Just add more stress, and it's going to lay heavy on you. It's actually going to take away your freedom. When you're brokenhearted because you lost someone you love, here you're reminded that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Not to shake your fist at God and ask, God, why did you do this to me? He's saying, oh, I'm close to you. I love you. You're my child. If the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. When you're tempted to sin in any area of life, here you're reminded, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to other people. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what your ability is. But with that temptation, he'll also provide a way of escape that you may endure it. You're reminded of these things. He's showing you weekly and daily how you can experience true freedom. So no matter what you're dealing with, there's probably a sinful way to respond, right? No matter what you're dealing with, there's probably a sinful way to respond, which will lay heavy on you, and Jesus says will enslave you. 
And there's a righteous and obedient way to respond. And the church is a place that points us to that. The church is a place that points us to that. And what Jesus desires you to do to experience true freedom.